You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and more time actually watching and playing what you want with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to our couch. Take a seat. It's time for therapy. Movie therapy. I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture critic and co-author of How to Be Fine. And I'm Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday. In each episode of Movie Therapy, we offer up questionable advice and rock-solid TV and movie recommendations for whatever ails you. As usual, our disclaimer, we are not real therapists, we are not real astrologers, we are not real podiatrists, but we are real TV and movie critics. So, Rafer, shall we get to this week's letters? Yes, I'll read this first letter. This one comes from Veronique. Dear Rafer and Kristen, I am an executive level worker in a nonprofit field that is very important to me. By all views, I am very successful, salary, position, long career. I still care about the issue, but I think I may be ready to grow, either run my own org or do work at a mission-driven organization that focuses on other issues I care about. Oh, I also think my boss, who has been grooming me to take her role when she retires, may be holding me down. Can you recommend something that can help me decide whether to stay and try and make things work or if I should set out on my own? I've already been inspired by Diane Keaton and Baby Boom, but I'm still not ready to believe all the pieces will fall into place like that. Well, most of us aren't going to have Diane Keaton's experience in Baby Boom where (laughs) we lose our executive level job and go on to have a baby food empire. But I do think that all of us do have opportunities after we leave jobs that we feel are holding us down. I mean, I can say that's definitely happened for me. And I definitely feel that there have been times that maybe I've overstayed certain jobs, which you may recall, Rafer. Yes, I recall that. I have done the same (laughs) in my career as well. Yeah, there was um, at one point, some of you may know this already if you were Movie Date listeners, but Rafer and I hosted our Movie Date podcast for six years. And I was at that company, uh, all told, six and a half years. And I loved hosting Movie Date. And I, I also just felt like I wasn't growing as much as I wanted to at that company. I felt that there was more I could do. And it was really heartbreaking. And I remember Rafer and I and Rafer's wife also, yes. we had long heart to hearts about what should we do? If I go somewhere else where I can grow more, I feel like I'm, you know, letting Rafer down. And Rafer, you were nothing but supportive the whole time. You said, no, you got to grow, Kristen. Yeah. You got to go out there and see what else the world has for you. We can always make a podcast down the road if we feel like it, but you need to go out there. You 
If you feel you're being held back, you are. You're not making it up. That's what you said to me, Reefer. Yes. Oh, well, I'm glad to hear that I was uh, supportive because, yeah, it's true. I think I think you felt um, frustrated. I think you loved a lot of the people that you worked uh, with and some of the people that you worked for as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, uh, I think you had, to, you had to fly the nest. I think you had to leave. And I think that was the right move. And it's always difficult, um, as we've talked about on this podcast before, you know, comfort and familiarity are very seductive. And Oh, yes. Oh, boy, they are. They can really, I think, lead you into um, not making a change when, you know, in fact, it's uh, it would be the best thing to do. So, yeah. Wow. With those words of wisdom, Rafer, what are we going to prescribe Veronique? All right. I'm going to go back a few years, uh, back to 2015, and I'm going to prescribe a movie called Joy. The story of Joy Mangano, played by Jennifer Lawrence. Ah, yes, the mop queen. Exactly. The inventor of the miracle mop. Um, (laughs) Now, now she's a real person. And um, this was, you know, a real success story at the time. Uh, She was a working mom living on Long Island, and she wanted to be an inventor. Um, You know, nobody really believed in Joy. Uh, Sometime in the late 60s, I think, one of her first inventions was a a glow-in-the-dark flea collar for pets, so you could see your pet at night. Mm, Very smart. Very smart. But then, of course, Hearts. Remember Hearts, the flea collar company? They came out with one exactly like it. Oh, yeah. You know, she thought that was the end of her inventing career, but she kept going. And she came up with this thing called the Miracle Mop. You know, it's made of plastic. It's lightweight. It's self-ringing. Yeah, you never have to get your hands wet. Exactly, right? You don't have to touch the gross mop part. Uh, <laughs> and she took it to a little a little shopping channel called QVC, um, if you remember them. And uh, it takes off, and it does pretty well. And uh, you know, the sales start coming in. But Joy doesn't want it to just be successful. She wants it to boom. She wants this thing to explode. And she realizes the only way it's going to take off is if she sells it herself. Here's a clip. I'm in a meeting with our lawyers. What do you think you're doing? Go home, Joy, and watch the numbers roll in on television. Make 50,000 mops. Borrowing and owing every dollar, including your home. It could have been handled better. I'll let Todd have another shot. I don't want Todd or anyone else to try it. It should be me. We don't have regular people. We have celebrities who spokesmodels do the selling. I told you this. Who showed you the mop? Who sold it to you? Who taught you how to use it? And who convinced you that it was great after you thought it was worthless? Excuse me, can you give us a second? Come on, baby. Ah, Joy, go in there. Tell them what it's going to be. You demand it, you get it. Do it, Joy. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So, you know, I know that, uh, you know, this movie is mostly thought of as kind of a, a plugger's movie. You know, you, you, you keep going and believe the dream and do it, and eventually the dream will come. And that's true. And, that's, and, and in that sense, it's an inspirational movie for everybody. But I guess one of the things I think about with this movie is sort of the, the beginning part of the movie, you know, and they spend a pretty good amount of time on Joy's early life when she's just, you know, a, a, a working mom in Long Island. Um, and the, the sense that you kind of get is that every turn, 
she could have stayed and she could have been generally okay. You know, she she was a waitress for a while. She could have stayed and been and been a waitress. People make a living as waitresses. You know, at one point she's working for a, an airline uh, call center. She's a reservations call center manager. And, you know, maybe she could have risen through the ranks at the company and made some decent money. She was smart. She was capable. Uh, she could have done that, um, you know, but none of that was going to satisfy her. And she knew that. And I think you, Veronique, our listener, I think you know it too. I think you know deep in your heart that if you try to stay and make do and make it work, it's not really going to satisfy you. You're always going to be thinking, I could have left. I should have left. What if? I think you know this already. And I think maybe joy might just kind of cement that feeling for you. That is a great recommendation, Rafer. And it's fun to cheer for. Totally. It's totally it's totally fun to cheer for. I, you know, it's a funny thing about this movie, one little weird thing. The studio kept saying it's not a biopic, and I could never <laughs> figure that out. Maybe because Jennifer Lawrence was about 22 years too young to play Joy? <laughs> I don't know, but she but she was I mean that might be true, but I mean yeah, I could just couldn't figure it out. I just I just kept thinking, but the movie is called Joy and it's about a woman who invents <laughs> the miracle mop and takes it to QVC. I, I, I could never figure that out. Anyway, I just had to throw that out there because it really bugged me when I reviewed the film. But regardless of all that, it's a good solid film. You know, David O. Russell's the director, Silver Linings Playbook, American Hustle. Here he is again with Jennifer Lawrence, and it's it's worth seeing. It is. It, it, it really is. And again, I'll just reiterate, fun to cheer for. Totally. And you, Kristen, what have you got? All right. I have something more recent. It came out in 2019. It is currently streaming on both Amazon Prime and on Hulu. It's called What Men Want. Oh, with um, Taraji P. Henson. Yes, that is right. The delightful, strong, charismatic Taraji P. Henson. She plays Ollie Davis in What Men Want. She's a successful sports agent at a high-profile agency in Atlanta. Uh, unfortunately, the agency has a real boys' club mentality. And when she's passed over for a promotion, her boss explains that she just doesn't have what it takes to connect with men. And so determined to get the recognition she deserves, she asks a psychic to help her do a better job connecting with the male mind. And before you know it, she has the ability to hear men's thoughts. I hate my nose. I hate my chin. I suck. I suck. I suck. Pretend I'm working. Pretend I'm working. Pretend I'm working. Pretend I'm, I'm working. I'm pretty sure I still reek of tequila. No more day drinking. Good morning. Look straight ahead. God, these piercings hurt. God, these piercings hurt. Come on, anal isn't cheating. I wonder if it's too late to become a marine biologist. I don't think this deodorant what? is working. The Jets? Are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? See, this is why dad left. This is exactly why dad left. This is shit like this. Oh, hey, you too. No, this is not happening. Oh, God, you walk fast in those heels. Is this thing still on? Testing, testing. I enjoy apple slices with cinnamon. Okay, your snack choices do not interest me right now. Oh, I'm so scared. Kristen, I don't want to. I, I I don't want to rag on your choice here, but I'm kind of going to. Oh, I know you are. I know it. Go ahead. Go ahead. I just. I. I this is a remake, of course, of the Mel Gibson film "What Women Want," um, which is a film that I really loved and I thought was really enjoyable. And I just couldn't get behind this movie. I think for this reason, I think we all pretty much know what 
men want. <laughs> Just didn't seem like a major secret to me. And I, I found it a little weird that a woman would suddenly get the gift of essentially being psychic and then walking around looking at men and thinking, well, he's thinking about sex. That guy's thinking about sex too. Oh my God. Yep. That's right. That's right. We are. That's right. But anyway, I, I, again, I do love Taraji P. Henson. I think she's, I think she's funny. I think she's a great actress. Uh, but why did you choose this for our listeners? All right. Well, full disclosure, I never saw What Women Want. I never saw the Mel Gibson movie. Oh, you're kidding. Oh, the Mel Gibson movie's great. Oh, it looked so terrible to me. Oh, it's so good. It's so good, Kristen. Oh, you really got to see it. Oh, oh, you, oh, I just thought it was like one more movie with a guy who's way too old for a woman who's going to get into her pants. And I'm like, I don't want to watch this. I mean, right? I, I, I have no response to that, but it's a great movie. <laughs> okay, but keep going. All right, but let me explain. There is a reason why I am prescribing this movie. So first, Veronique, I want you to think of Ollie and her journey when you're watching this movie, of what she's willing to put up with, of what she's willing to change. And second, I want you to look at her very smart, very put-upon assistant. What talents does he have that are going unrecognized? And what are the benefits of him staying or leaving? And I hope that when you watch this movie, that by the end of it, you'll get a bit more clarity on what you want to do by seeing the characters do what they end up doing. Also, I'm guessing you'll just have a great time watching this movie because unlike Rafer, I think this is such a great film. <laughs> I love this movie. It is so funny. I cheered. It's so good. Kristen, we've got a, a, a difference of medical opinion oh. on this one. But okay. But that's all right. That's all right. You know what? Don't listen to the surgeon. Listen to the podiatrist <laughs> this time. Your feet are made for walking. Oh, you're good. That was good. Thanks. Thanks. Even though I said at the top of the show that I'm not a podiatrist, so I may that, have actually just undermined myself there. No, that's all right. That was a good joke. <laughs> I like that. Uh, all right. So look, we've got two picks uh, from Kristen, What Men Want, and from me, joy. All right. We're going to take a quick break. But before we do, a huge thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who keeps giving us five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts. We love to see your reviews. For example, Candy1108 recently gave us five stars and wrote, I have loved listening to Kristen and Rafer since their movie date podcast. They are delightful and funny and everything I need right now. This is truly one of my absolute favorite podcasts and a cheery and delightful bright spot in my week. Well, thank you very much, Candy1108. We, uh, we aim to please. We aim to be a bright spot for people, I think. I just got to say, Candy, you are so sweet. <laughs> oh, Christian, you're on a roll. <laughs> oh, oh, don't stop. Never stop. All right. Stay with us. When we're back, we have someone who needs help bridging the gap between her world and her husband's. There is a corner of Los Angeles where dreams are brought to life. The uh, stuff that dreams are made of. Where stars are born. Made it by! Over the world! Where legends are made. Oh, it's alive! It's alive! It's alive! For over a hundred years, the world has been captivated by Hollywood. But just beneath the stardust lie a million more fascinating stories. Tales of heroism. Villainy, betrayal, passion, tragedy, and triumph. 
that when sewn together form an incredible history. The Secret History of Hollywood, available now wherever you get podcasts. Welcome to the future in this year's wildest super fun show for adults. Hey gang, it's Josh Olson. And Joe Dante. And we want to tell you about our podcast. It's about movies. Josh, there are a thousand podcasts about movies. Sure, but ours is different, Joe. That's true, actually. Our guests are writers, directors, musicians, comedians, actors. Hell, we even have other podcasters on. We play no favorites, and they don't talk so much about their own work but about the movies that have influenced them and made them who they are. We call it the movies that made me. We've talked with people like Guillermo del Toro, Little Stevie Van Zandt, Martin Short, Ethan Hawke, William Freakin, Barbara Crampton, Jonathan Ross, Dennis Lehane, Mark Duplass, Adam McKay, Lorraine Newman, Jason Reitman, Alison Anders, Elijah Woods, Stephen Canals, Eli Roth, Joe Bob Briggs, Roger Corman, Bobcat Goldthwait, Leon Douglas, Dana Gould, Martin Campbell, Shane Black, Albert Hughes, Emily D. Chanel, Joel Biafra, Ari Fessenden, Nicole Olsen, Shaka King, Lee Daniels, Rosalind Chow, Clancy Brown, Jarvis Smith, Ike Arnold, Steve Arquette, Thomas Miller, Jennifer and Uwe Boll. It may not be highbrow, but it's lots of fun. Subscribe for free on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. In color to thrill you as never before. We're back with our second letter of the week. Kristen, I'll let you read this one. All righty. This one is from Jennifer. Jennifer says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I'm a second-generation Brazilian-American whose family immigrated to the U.S. in the 1980s. My family and my Brazilian heritage are vital components of my identity and have informed the way I navigate the world politically, socially, professionally, and so on. Flash forward to the present, I am newly married to my high school sweetheart. We've been together 16 years, and he grew up in a very different background slash environment. He's Irish-Italian-American, and although we are very happy to be finally building our married lives together, I find that my Brazilian culture and influence sometimes become subsumed. My husband really doesn't make a strong individual effort to get to know or connect with the history and culture I come from. I've begun to be more vigilant about this, teaching him Portuguese, cooking traditional foods, etc. Perhaps this is helping? My hope is that this becomes an integral part of our lives and future family. Do you have any advice or movie recommendations of how to bridge this gap between two cultural worlds? All recommendations are welcome from the mainstream to the esoteric. And I got to just point out here, she's got a little winky emoji here with the esoteric. So I think that's for you, Rafer. <laughs> I guess that must be. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, thanks, Jennifer. Um, okay. Well, this is interesting. I guess I just know that, you know, everybody comes from their own kind of background and it's hard to mesh families. And I, I, I think the one thing that stuck out to me about this letter, at least as something that I could kind of relate to um, and identify with, was um, uh, th this uh, Jennifer's Brazilian culture and influence becoming subsumed, mm. she said. And, I, and that, that word stuck out to me, um, you know, is the answer... Is the answer teaching your husband Portuguese, cooking traditional food? I don't know. That all sounds nice and it sounds fun. Mm -hmm. I don't know if the if that's the answer. I think the answer is something deeper. I think the answer is ha having it out with him, talking about it, and trying to come to some understanding of, you know, making some space for both of you. I don't know. Is that – Kristen, does that make sense or is that not much of an answer? I mean, I, 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 I do think this is deeper than – 
food or language. Yeah. Food and language are incredibly important, by the way. Please don't get rid of those things. Sure. Uh, please continue to, you know, taste your culture, cook your culture, speak your culture. Uh, pl- please don't let those things be subsumed. There's lots of ways to fold that into your life. But also, I agree with you, Rafer, that, you know, this is also about something bigger. Um, your identity matters, too. Your family matters, too. Your history matters, too. And he fell in love with you. And you are not just one thing. You're all of those other things, even if he doesn't want to appreciate them or doesn't understand why they're important. But you can be the one to explain that to him. Ideally, he would already understand why it's important. But it yeah. sounds like you're going to have to actually you know, do that work and explain it to him because he's not getting it. And hopefully he'll get it because it is a part of you. And Rafer, I can say just from my own marriage, uh, you know, my husband, he is from New Zealand. He's an immigrant. And he is white, uh, Scottish, Irish, and that comes through in his culture in lots of ways, in how he speaks and certain foods that he grew up in and so on. And I, I am a Korean-American adoptee from Minnesota, and that comes through in other cultural things. And those are equally important. And if my Koreanness or my Minnesotanness was being, you know, uh, subsumed by his New Zealandness or vice versa, I think that would be unfair to either of us. We both try our best to acknowledge each other's holidays, foods, turns of phrase. I think that, you know, if you can do some of that, Jennifer, fold that into your everyday life, sharing stories with each other, all these other things. And hopefully, I hope when the world is safer, that you can bring him to Brazil and meet your family. Sure. Uh, Bring him to Brazil on a regular basis, not just a once in a lifetime thing, but, you know, maybe make that a regular part of your life every few years. And yeah, so I, I hope that helps. Also, you know, Maybe some Brazilian movies also. I, w- I will say that. I-, I am not prescribing any Brazilian movies today for what it's worth. Uh, but one thing we do in our household is we do try to watch New Zealand television and movies in our household and then oh. also watch Korean and Minnesota movies in the household also. Oh, I love it. I love it. I did not know that about you. Yeah. You may have heard of the Cohen brothers. They're from Minnesota. <laughs> of course. You may have heard of Taika Waititi. He's from New Zealand. And then, of course, there's all the great Korean filmmakers. We try to watch all of them. Uh, that's true. You're lucky. You've got a, you've got a, quite, a, quite a bag to choose from there. That's good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're very lucky. Well, okay. So if you're not recommending any Brazilian films, Kristen, what are you going to recommend? All right. I am going to recommend a trilogy of Netflix original films based on the best-selling books by Jenny Han called To All the Boys I Loved Before. Oh, yes. That's the name of the first movie. The second one is To All the Boys, P.S. I Love You. And then the third one just came out recently. It's called To All the Boys, Always and Forever. Rafer, I'm sure you've consumed all of these movies multiple times already. (laughs) Stayed up late reading the books, right, Rafer? That is slash S, Kristen. And I have not seen a (laughs) single one of these. Not a single one. I'm I'm aware of how well the first one did. It was a real real hit. Yeah, the first one was an enormous hit. The others have been successful as well. For anyone who's not familiar with them, um, the first one is set up with Laura Jean, our protagonist. She's a shy high school junior. She writes secret letters to the boys she's in love with from afar. These letters stay safely hidden away in her closet until one day her younger sister Kitty, being a total brat, throws these letters in the mail. They all get mailed off and poor Laura Jean, she has to deal with the consequences of these letters reaching all of these boys And what ensues over the next three movies is a series of love triangles, misunderstandings, attempts to make love work from close up and from a distance. Oh, it's just all sorts of stuff. Here's a clip of the trailer for the latest one. Hey, Cozy. Hello from Korea. The best part of this vacation is spending time with my sisters. 
but pretty soon we'll be back from spring break, and then I'm gonna tackle you and smother you with kisses and give you gifts. I miss you. I can't wait to see you. Feels like it's hard to believe. I'm standing in a timeless dream. What all started with a letter, a hot tub, and a diner could turn into this. Larjean Song Covey, will you go to prom with me? Yes, of course. <laughs> I'm glad you and Peter are both going to Stanford. You are not cut out for long distance. I haven't gotten in yet. Make sure that's what you want. It's what I want, and it's perfect. You gotta go. You know what I'm looking forward to the most about college? Hmm. Never having to say goodbye. Yeah. All right. So Jennifer, this may just sound like a silly, frothy kids series of movies, but I want to tell you, it may just be what you need because. The one thing I really admire about these movies, aside from the great directing, the snappy uh, pacing of each movie and so on, one thing I just absolutely love about them is that Laura Jean's dad, who is white, works very hard to keep the culture of Laura Jean's late mother alive. Laura Jean's late mother was Korean, and he's made sure to raise his girls with that side of the culture as well. Each movie makes sure to show Korean foods, celebrations, language, culture. As a matter of fact, the first movie, at one point, this uh, yogurt drink that is very popular in Korean households, after being shown in the first movie, Korean grocers and Asian grocers around the country sold out of these yogurt drinks because they became so popular because of this movie. So you'll see some, you know, bits and pieces of Korean culture here in this movie. And it's never hidden. The girls are never embarrassed about it. The dad never feels like he has to over-explain anything. And as you can hear in the trailer for the latest movie, they even go to Korea. So maybe you and your husband can watch this movie or the series of movies and see, you know, it doesn't have to be scary. It can be fun. You can fold these things into your lives and it'll be great. His life will be better for it. Your life will be better for it. Everyone will be much richer uh, for the experience. So that's what I'm prescribing. I think that sounds great. And I I admit to you that I've actually been meaning to watch that movie uh, just because it was such a hit. And then I, I, so I saw the sequel come out and I saw the sequel to the sequel come out. And I feel like <laughs> at this point I'm falling very far behind. Uh, but I, I have been meaning to watch that film. So, all right. I think it's a good recommendation. Well, I hope you check them out. Um, but what about you, Rafer? What are you going to prescribe here to Jennifer? Well, uh, she said esoteric. So I am going to go a <laughs> so little bit. So you're like, off. yes, I'm going to do it. <laughs> Yeah, somebody wants something esoteric. (laughs) Well, look, she gave she gave me permission. It's not actually an esoteric film. Um, You know, it's a film by uh, Rainer Werner Fassbender, the uh, the German director. Oh, that's okay. That's legit. That's not esoteric. Yeah. No, yeah, it's it's not totally off the charts. Uh, This is from 1974. It's a movie called Ali: Fear Eats the Soul. And it's one of his best-known movies. I think it's one of his best movies. Um, if you don't know it, uh, and many people probably don't, but it's the story of uh, two people uh, who could not possibly be more different. Um, one is Emmy. She's a German woman, white. She's about 60 years old. Um, the other is Ali. He is a Moroccan immigrant, kind of ruggedly handsome guy, and he's about 40. He's like a full 20 years younger than her. And they meet at a bar, they have a dance, and they fall in love. And what happens next is this really 
fascinatingly realistic look at all the obstacles that they face. Um, her family, of course, is horrified. This is you know, Germany in the 70s. Uh, and uh, his friends think it's hilarious. They can't believe that, you know, Ali, their, you know, their kind of worker friend guy has taken up with this, you know, they, I think they call her uh, uh, his German grandmother. So he's, you know, he's taken up with this much older woman. Um, you know, so everything starts to kind of get in their way. And even the two of them kind of get in their own way. And, you know, she treats him kind of badly at times. And he cheats on her with a younger woman, except it's not because the woman is, is kind of young and pretty. It's because the woman will cook him couscous and Emmy doesn't ever cook him couscous, which reminds him as home, of home. Um, and as the movie goes on, you start to think that these two aren't going to make it. You start to think that they're too different. Um, and this is usually where I'd play a clip, but of course the, the movie's in German, so there's probably not much point in playing a clip. But there's a great line in the movie um, where everything has kind of, you know, come to a head and it really looks like, you know, all is lost for these two. And they're dancing again. And uh, Emmy says to him, when we're together, we must be nice to each other. Hmm. And it's this very, very simple line in this really sort of realistic and really complicated movie. And it really stands out. And I know that's kind of sounds like simplistic advice uh, for, for our listener, but um, I just felt like that. I feel like that's what's important. I think you do have to kind of remember why you fell in love um, what you love about each other. Uh, you do have to remember to be nice to each other, to respect each other, um, to take each other as you are, and don't let all this other stuff totally get in the way. I know that sounds a little sappy. Uh, if you see the movie, uh, it might resonate a little better than I am explaining it. Um, but that's that's what I chose. Oh, that is a great pick, Rafer. And esoteric, it's... just like you wanted, Jennifer. No, not that esoteric. <laughs> it's really not. <laughs> All right. Yes. So just to recap, from me, Ali, Fear Eats the Soul, and from Kristen, the uh, now uh, uh, trilogy, I guess, of uh, To All the Boys I've Loved Before. All right. We're going to take one more quick break. But before we do, are you in a predicament where you could use some questionable advice and a good movie or TV recommendation? Use that contact form on our website, raferandkristen.com. You do not have to use your real name. All right, when we're back, we will have our What Should I Watch Next Letter of the Week. Hey, Matt, did you know that wombats poop cubes? Nope, never heard that before. Did you know the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland, Ken? I didn't know, nor do I care. Neil. Did you know that Liechtenstein is the only doubly landlocked country in Europe? Jeff, isn't that an American pop artist? Well, actually, it's both. If you want to learn things like that and more, join us each week on Triviality, a pub trivia-style game show podcast where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Listen in each week to answer general knowledge trivia alongside exciting guests from around the world. And we're here, too. Join us every Tuesday for new hour-long episodes of Triviality, Plus, tons of extra theme content on everything from The Office and Lord of the Rings to science and geography. And sometimes we even do sports. Find us on all your preferred podcast apps and take part in the fun of playing bar trivia without the need to wear pants. Real mature, Jeff. Forget it, Neil. It's triviality. 
Yeah, Film Vault. We are one of the original film podcasts. That can't be true. There was like two other film podcasts when we began, Brian. How long have we been doing this show? You and I first sat down and did a version of the show over 20 years ago. My God. There is shtick, but it's very little shtick. We finished each other's... Sandwiches? Close enough. Was that a joke on a movie? That, yeah, that's from uh, Frozen. Oh, it is. Pretty bad. Ugh. Oh, look at you. I don't want to be like quoting and, Frozen Anderson, on this Anderson, promo. Okay, peek behind the curtain. Anderson's nope. like the Frozen guy. Like He'll constantly reference animated films, family films, and I'm more the edgy indie guy. We do have the tropey thing going on where Brian does like the big Hollywood sexy summer movies. I'm always looking for like the hidden gems. Mm. Two episodes each week. One. We are review movies and the first episode and the second one, top five time. Top five, different top five every week. Movies that made you cry. Worst movie accents. Most disturbing movies. All right, The Film Ball, check it out. Wherever you find a fine podcast. That's right, The Film Vault's going on 20 plus years. Hey, everyone. We are back with our What Should I Watch Next letter of the week. Rafer, take it away. Okay, this one comes from Daria. Uh, not the animated character, I'm assuming. Uh, oh, I wish it were. <laughs> Daria, are you animated? I bet Daria's animated in her own she way. Might be. <laughs> okay, Daria says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I recently watched Framing Britney Spears, the new documentary from the New York Times about the ugly side of fame, the double standards when it comes to gender in the public eye, and the hashtag Free Britney movement. Ever since, I've been obsessed with learning more about her and how the fame machine works. Are there other movies or TV shows you'd recommend in the same vein? To be clear, not ones that just worship the stars, but that take a closer look at the nature of fame. What should I watch next? Mmm. Rafer, did you watch Framing Britney Spears? I, I, I'm loath to say that I have not. I did not <gasps> see it. I know. Rafer, I'm dying to see it. You're missing out on the cultural zeitgeist right now. I know. This is a major, major movie this year. I know. People are loving it. You've seen it? Oh, yes, absolutely. I admit it. I watched it the first day it was available. Of course I did. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm fascinated by it. I think it sounds great. Tell tell me a little bit about it. Tell me anything you can tell me about it. All right. So it follows Britney Spears' rise to fame. Um, you know, it doesn't tell everything that happened in her life, but, you know, her rise on Star Search, on the Mickey Mouse Club, of becoming yeah. a huge pop star as a teenager, and of all of the media scrutiny, how the paparazzi followed her everywhere, how her fame seemed to correlate ever so nicely with the rise of the celebrity rag, like Us Weekly, In Touch, all of those magazines. Oh, yeah. And so, uh, you know, she came along at just the right time to be constantly followed by paparazzi and constantly scrutinized for things that, you know, all women in the public eye and pop stars in particular have always had to deal with. Like, is she a virgin or is she a poor? Is she actually a bad influence on kids? You know, all of these things that every pop star who's a female has ever had to deal with but turned up to a level because of the uh, media moment that we lived in at that time and what that did to her and how she eventually just couldn't deal with it anymore. And she essentially, you know, had a breakdown over it. And her father then... uh, he became her conservator. That's right. I remember this. Yeah. And was essentially made in charge of all of her health decisions, all of her finances. If she spends more than $3 on anything, I think it is, uh, she has to tell her dad about it. Whoa. So for 13 years, Britney Spears, who is now almost 40 years old, has been dealing with this. Meanwhile, she is making boatloads of money, like $50 million a year, like with her Las Vegas residency and so on, and and all the royalties off of her music and everything else. I mean, she is raking in the dough like crazy, but she doesn't get to touch any of the dough. Her 
father does. Her father, who incidentally is abusive. They don't really talk about it in the movie, but Britney Spears, just a side note, she wasn't able to see her kids uh, on a regular custody schedule after her father hit one of her kids once when they were with her. So she is you know, at the mercy of this man who has hit her kids before. And he has all of her money, all of her health decisions, everything. And so that's what this movie is about, essentially, is like, what's it like for her? How did this come about? How did the world contribute to it? And um, what is the Free Britney movement? So wow, that's what it is. And it's very fascinating. Oh, that sounds that does sound really fascinating. Um, so hard to uh, keep that story and the Lindsay Lohan story straight. There's so much overlap between the two of it. You know, they definitely they definitely touch on Lindsay Lohan very briefly. They touch on yeah. Paris Hilton, uh, that whole era of young woman entertainers. Yep, all of them were going through it at the time. Sure, interesting, interesting. Well, uh, okay, so uh, this is good. So, so Kristen, what are you going to recommend? Well. I am going to recommend another new documentary that just came out this year called Fake Famous on HBO Max. Are you familiar with this, Rafer? Uh, Again, I'm not, but I've heard of it. Oh, good. For anyone else out there who um, maybe has not heard of it, in Fake Famous, journalist Nick Bilton puts out a call to wannabe famous people in Los Angeles. Thousands show up for the casting call. And in the end, he chooses three, a fashion designer, an administrative assistant, and an actress. And he then tries his best to make all of them famous, at least online, that is, you know, influencer culture. And along the way, we learn all the ins and outs of the industry of the influencer world, from the companies that sell fake followers to the sneaky ways to get sponsorships and how all this faking it can actually lead to real fame in some cases and to real misery in others. Here's a clip. Do you want to be famous? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Sign me up. I don't even feel like I want to. I feel like I deserve to. You know what I'm saying? Three, two, one. More than any other occupation on earth, kids in America say they want to be famous influencers. When they look at these influencers and they think, wow, this is an amazing life, but people don't realize. Most of the time, it's not real. Should we do some cucumbers? I love it. But is that number of how many followers you have actual fame? We want to do an experiment to see if we can take some random people and make them fake famous. Online, you can pretty much buy anything you want, including fake friends. I want to see this movie, but I'm afraid that it'll make me so angry because <laughs> I, I'm, I already have such a knee-jerk reaction to so much of internet culture, uh, you know, the, uh, the influencers, um, you know, all of which I really feel like started with Paris Hilton, as you mentioned her before. Um, these people who really have, they, they just want to be famous for being famous or just famous because they are famous. And how do you sort of start that weird ball rolling? How How do you start that perpetual energy machine going. Um, it sounds it sounds really interesting and it sounds um, maddening and it sounds like it'll probably bring out the absolute worst in me. But but to, but but tell me tell me about it. Oh yeah. It, it absolutely will, Rafer. I think you'll be you'll be wound up, you'll be throwing the pillows at the TV, but you'll also be like, oh that's interesting. For example, I'm just gonna tell you one fact from the movie. So okay. one hundred forty million people on Instagram currently have over 100,000 followers. Wow, 100,000. And of those 140 million people, 40 million of them have over 1 million followers, which means 
there are 140 million famous people in the world yeah. just according to Instagram. Not, not according to Twitter, not according to movies, not according to magazines that get sold or Hollywood contracts. But just on Instagram, we have 140 million people who are wildly famous. Fascinating. I'll bet you I couldn't name a single one. <laughs> You know, and, not that not that I'm the gold standard, but I mean, in that case, are they really that famous? Although I guess if they're making like a lot of money off it, or do most of them have fake followers? Thus, uh, the movie title, "Fake Famous." Yes, yes, right. Of you know, course, it it turns out I learned in this movie it's really cheap to buy a thousand followers. Yeah, of course, right, right. There's all these stories about like I could either go to McDonald's or I could buy a thousand followers. It costs that much money. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I should really see that. The more you're talking about this, the more I realize I should see this. Yeah, I think it'll teach you a little bit about how fame works in today's world, because, you know, it changes. The way that fame was built in the era of Britney Spears when she was a teenager, it's very different now. It really is. Yeah, no, that's that's really interesting. Yeah, we don't have paparazzi like we used to. We're our own paparazzi, thanks to things like Instagram. So yeah. definitely check out Fake Famous, Rafer. Okay, I definitely will. I definitely will. But what about you? I am curious about what you are going to recommend to Daria. Is it going to be the Justin Bieber documentary where we just get to watch him in slow motion move his hair? No. Do you remember seeing that, Rafer? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that would be an excellent choice, but no. Um, well, I chose a, a documentary from 2015 that's a, a little bit more about the traditional perils of fame. Uh, I chose Amy, uh, the Asif Kapadia documentary on Amy Winehouse. Oh, my heart is hurting. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. That much talent and just, oh, yeah. Amy. Yes. Amy. I know. Such a sad story. Um, so tragic. You know, uh, this is the movie. It got such acclaim when it came out. It's, you know, it really just reconstructs Amy Winehouse's life pretty much year by year, almost from the very start, definitely from her childhood all the way up to her death. Um, we learned about her parents who separated when she was very young. We learned about her first foray into the music business when she was a teenager. Um, of course, we learned about her alcohol and drug addiction, uh, that destructive uh, boyfriend enabler that she had, oh. uh, Blake Fielder Civil, uh, who does not come off well in this movie. Here's a clip. When I started writing the first song about Blake, the other songs just wrote themselves. I mean, really was on a roll. Because I had these feelings, I had these words floating around in me. You write a song, you have to remember how you felt. You have to remember what the weather was like. You have to remember what his neck smelled like. You have to remember all of it. She would tell me stories about Blake and this tempestuous, extreme relationship. That first day she wrote Back to Black all the lyrics and the melody in two or three hours. He left no time to regret Kept his dick away With his same old say <sighs> So tragic, Reefer. I know. So, so tragic. And... How sad is it that she didn't get to have a full life? She was so young. Yeah. And how sad is it for the world that we don't get her too, yeah, right? Yeah, I know. Um, well, one reason this movie kind of fascinates me, and you might remember this, Kristen, is because I kind of lucked into being one of the first American reporters to write about her. Um, her publicist, mm -hmm. Tracy Miller, had sent me a disc of, of Back to Black, her sort of breakout album. Mm -hmm. It was way before it had been released, and I, I, I'd never heard of her. I knew she'd had one album in England. Again, I'd, I'd never heard of that album. Um, 
and I got the disc and I was just, I, I can't describe to you. I just lost my mind over it. I just, I just, I just went ape over it. And when Amy came to the U.S. on her first tour, um, I think there were only two newspapers who interviewed her: me at Newsday, and I think Anne Hornaday at the Washington Post. And I think that was it. I think, I mean, Whoa. there might have been other magazines and such that did some interviews with her, but I, I'm almost positive we were the only two newspapers. And then she played her first concert. Her first concert at Joe's Pub in New York, her first U.S. concert. Wow. Um, and I think I'm the only person who reviewed it. I saw other critics there. You're kidding. But I don't, oh my God. I don't think, again, at least not any newspapers that I know of, I don't think anyone else ran a review of that show. Um, and the thing that I think about this is that I feel, in a small way, I feel that I was a little bit... Um, part of the fame machine for her not not that i not that i helped make her famous but i mean it this way i totally bought in to that bad girl persona that she had mm. you know i because i loved band, you know i loved the sex pistols and the you know rolling stones and keith richards and the brian jonestown massacre and all these kind of you know crazy self-destructive artists i you know i'm very romantic about that stuff and i bought into it with her um you know, but her record company kind of bought into it too, and they kind of pushed that a little bit with her. Um, and I always felt that when Amy Winehouse really started to go downhill in the public eye, I, I always felt a little guilty about it. I always mm. felt I, I kicked myself a little bit for not having recognized that and looked a little deeper at her at the time. You know, it, it, I interviewed her in 2007, and four years later, she was dead. That oh. was it. And I just always felt like I should have done a better job of kind of recognizing that she was not, you know, like a one woman, you know, punk movement. She was like a really young, immature woman who was like in real trouble. Um, so the the movie is great. Um, and it's a, and I think what's great about it is it really doesn't spare anyone. There's a lot of blame to go around. There's some blame to be spread to her parents. There's blame to be spread to the media. Um, and to Amy Winehouse herself, um, you know, so it's a, it's a, it's a great movie. It's, it's extremely honest. And, um, I, I it was, it was really one of the best films of that year. Wow. It, it also sounds like a perfect prescription for what Daria is looking for. It's not trying to just do a shiny tribute to a perfect celebrity, but no, exactly to show how all of us play a role in what celebrity is whether we're the audience or the media or family members or whatnot. And fame is much more complex than just one person. Yeah, that's right. Uh, as you and I well know, Kristen, with our... Because <laughs> <laughs> we're so wildly famous. <laughs> with my seven followers on Twitter. Um, all right. So once again, our recommendations are from me, Amy, the Amy Winehouse documentary, and from Kristen, Fake Famous. Oh, and I guess that's it, Rafer. That that is the end of yet another episode of Movie Therapy. I know that just zip that just zipped by, Kristen. It sure did, just like our fleeting fame. <laughs> but for the moment at least, we are here for you. If you need us in the coming week, reach out to us on Twitter at Rafer Guzman and at Kristen Meinzer. And if you haven't yet done so already, please join our Facebook community at facebook.com slash groups slash Rafer and Kristen. There are loads of other movie and TV fans there always talking about fun movies and TV shows they're watching and movies and TV shows they're not enjoying at all. <laughs> it's always fun to see what people are saying there. And as always, please tell your friends about our show. It really does help a lot. Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer. 
Kinzer. And I'm Rafer Guzman. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.